0: Hi, this is Nick Campbell.
1: And I'm Andrea Pascal.
0: And you're listening to In In and and Out Out of Frame. Frame. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about our time at the Sidewalk Film Festival.
1: Yeah, so Sidewalk Film Festival is a festival that occurs in Birmingham, Alabama. The festival itself is pretty much a weekend, but there are screenings and everything throughout the week kind of gearing up, but um, it is in its 21st year this year. And there were some, a great lineup of films. So Nick and I thought we'd just kind of cover a couple of the films that we saw and then we're going to actually get into reviews of two of the films. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about, we saw a lot of films together and then we uh, veered off as well to see a couple of other films on our own.
0: I guess the first movie that we saw and it was just the opening night film was the, uh, the biography about MTV called I Want My MTV. Mm-hmm. which covers the birth of MTV up to, I think, the stint like in the early mid-90s. That's when right, when they started ownership
1: And they, um, yeah, I guess it's Viacom that mm. bought them. And they started getting more into the reality television and got away from the music videos. But um, that was really a fun documentary, especially being a kid that grew up with MTV. I mean, mm. I think that was... Um, really interesting to see the creation of that. There was also a great little short in front of that called "The Lost Weekend," and um, it covered the guy that won the flyaway vacation or yeah, flyaway vacation to yeah. hang out with um, Van, Halen. Van Halen for a weekend. Um, so definitely recommend checking both of those out. And great way to kick off the event. I felt mm. like, and it was
0: they they love having kind of an there's like an eighties through line with a lot of um, sidewalk stuff it's been a, a few years now but uh, that was a good fun way to start it off kind of a good way to get the energy going to go into the after party that night
1: yeah so that was Friday night and then um, on Saturday let's see you started a little bit earlier than me yeah on Saturday. I uh,
0: I got to a noon movie at the Alabama theater um, is called Tony Morrison uh, the pieces I am um, and it's just it's a documentary about the life and work of Tony Morrison uh, the famous author. And I'm not really, I'm, I'm honestly not that familiar with her with her work. Like I'd heard her name before, I've never read any of her books. But it was a really interesting documentary. It's very, it's cool. Like I mean, she has a great, interesting history with like the civil rights movement, and yeah. So it was a, it was a really good one to start off with, like during the day.
1: Yeah, I went down another path and I saw Vita and Virginia, which covers, um, it basically covers the relationship of Virginia Woolf and then Vita Sackville-West. Um, they meet in London in the twenties um both uh, female writers and former relationship that later inspires one of Virginia Woolf's novels. It was a really beautiful film. I liked it overall.
0: Yeah, I love uh, Elizabeth Debicki yes. who plays I guess she's Virginia Woolf in the yes. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's been in a lot of good movies recently like uh, Widow's and she was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2.
1: That's right. Yeah, it was it was really visually uh beautiful. I love the time period, London in the 20s. Uh, so that was it was it was definitely like a lovely Saturday afternoon watch. After that, Nick and I met up again.
0: Well, before we did that, I while you were in Vita, oh, Virginia, right. I actually went and saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two at the Sidewalk Theater a classic. Um, <clears throat> because one of the Spotlight films that they showed during the week um, for their shout selection was a documentary called Scream Queen about the. Uh, the career trajectory of the actor who starred in in that movie um, and how I guess in a way the movie had a lot of uh, gay undertones and so it ended up kind of outing him uh, when he didn't want to be and it Literally, kind of yeah. it, I mean he was I don't know if he I can't remember exactly if he was on like a track to become kind of a star but it kind of it it kept him from from becoming one and it's he's kind of wrestled with the with his <laughs> I guess notoriety that movie's no, uh, kind of notorious um as one of the worst of the series but it's it's I it was actually a really fun movie um revisiting it and i'd like to know more of the story i'd like yeah, to see that I documentary wanted to see
1: the documentary but i i missed it because of of the other one that i went to see but um yeah cool um and then we met back up to see uh the nighting the nightingale uh which is it's
0: directed by jennifer kent who did the Babadook. Yes. <clears throat> um,
1: And that was actually my first film of hers to see because I still have not seen Babadook. I don't...
0: It's worth checking out.
1: A lot of people keep telling me, like, you would love it. I I don't... For some reason, I feel scared. Um, But, so this was my first foray into Jennifer Kent's films. That's a movie we're going to be talking about because it's a doozy. It, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, and then um, and then but then later that night we saw in Fabric,
0: mm-hmm. and the that's name uh, Peter directed... Strickland, yeah,
1: and uh, which you guys may know from, uh, let's see, the Barbarian Sound Studio, and the Duke of Burgundy, and then there's what other films did he do? I'm trying to remember the names. Um, um,
0: he well before he did Barbarian Sound Studio, he did one movie. In, it's actually in Romanian. Um, it's called Cattle and Varga. Oh, that's
1: right. Um, I haven't seen that
0: one. It's, it's interesting. I had, to, I had to find it on YouTube because the only copies available on DVD, it seems, are like Region 2. Uh, and the other one he did was uh, Bjork's Biophilia concert documentary, or live okay. concert documentary. Yes. Yeah. Which I also haven't seen. But I guess uh, that's a that's w- another one we'll talk about. It's a really Absolutely. weird and strange mm-hmm. movie. Um, but that was... That was it for um, for Saturday night. That
1: was night. it for Saturday. And then Sunday...
0: We met back up pretty much in the afternoon for mm-hmm. uh, the Michael Hutchins documentary, Mystified. Yes,
1: Mystified. That was a really great documentary. If you're a fan of the band NXS, uh, so much really great footage. I yeah, mean, it's like... it's Most people know his story, but it really did give insight to um, just him as a person. I think I really enjoyed all of the footage it was definitely you know late 80s early 90s so people were really into documenting things with cameras with video cameras because that was kind of a new thing and uh, it was it was just great that they had all that sort of archival footage, and yeah. they did a great job with that documentary I mm-hmm. felt
0: and it was very it was very sweet it was very um, it was interesting because I didn't really know the story of NXS like I'd heard a uh-huh. bunch of their songs and everything. Yeah. I knew a bunch of people who liked them, but I'd never really dug into it and so kind of watching that um, like Michael Hudgens is just seems so much more of an interesting character than I ever. I ever knew and so it actually made me want to go back and listen to the music and kind of like get into more of the story a little bit sure. So, which and that was a really good way to, to get into it because it's pretty in depth so,
1: so that's kind of nice because you've got I mean for you know I've been like I grew up with NXS so I've always been a huge fan of the band and uh, so I knew a lot about it but I think that's cool that you know somebody that was maybe didn't know as much about them and then somebody that knew a lot about them both had a great experience with that documentary I think that says a lot for any documentary film when you can kind of reach the new and the old audience mm. for that. So
0: no, that went over that went over really well. Yeah, it's a good good starter for the day.
1: Great. And then what else did you see?
0: Well, I went to see a documentary called Foosballers about um, professional foosball, which I didn't even know existed. And apparently, Birmingham has a a forty time title. Um, this woman who used to be like a, a cop downtown. Um, but it was a really fun documentary, and then I finished the day with the uh, Midsummer Director's Cut, which it was my second time seeing the movie. The, I'd seen the original when it first came out, and now the Director's Cut, and that's they're both. If you enjoyed the movie the first time, it's a really interesting way to see it because I think it lets the movie breathe a little bit. But really? um, for, okay. a th- for a for a now three hour movie, it's funny to say that. But um, but it's really interesting.
1: Cool. So that was our sidewalk in a nutshell. Lots of great films, and there was actually a ton of films that I wanted to see. But just because of scheduling conflicts, I mean, there's only. There were a bunch of those this year, too. Yeah, there really was a lot. I mean, again, they just do a really great job, I think, with curating films that have kind of a broad appeal to different audiences. Um, The thing that's great, though, is that if you attend the festival, I always am very excited to get and hang on to the program so that everything that I didn't get a chance to catch at the festival, I can keep on my radar. And go back to and reference and you know catch up on those films mm-hmm. as they become available. So, great asset for sure. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Birmingham in August, you should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're gonna take a moment to go check out our uh, microwave. Snack for this edition. Just really
0: dive into this it. This
1: episode. And um, when we come back, we will review and tell you a little bit about what we decided to cook up on this episode. And then we'll also get into our two film reviews.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll be back.
0: Stay tuned. Okay, so we're back from our uh, microwave meal moment.
1: I have to say that this one um, was an actual disaster. It was a bummer. It was a bummer. It's the worst microwave snack in the history of in and out of Frame. Uh, We decided to prepare the Tasmanian Devil's Food Cupcakes for this edition. From
0: a Devil's Food Cupcake recipe in our microwave cookbook.
1: Yeah, and that was uh, as sort of a homage to The Nightingale, which is one of the films we're getting ready to talk about. The snack experience, uh, it was kind of like how the way that snack looked was pretty much how I felt when I came out of The Nightingale. Yeah,
0: I I would say... Uh, that's a pretty, it's probably pretty accurate representation. Yeah. It looked, it looked pretty bad.
1: It looked bad. So I think we're just not even going to like spend too much time on that. I, we can't, we can't recommend it. You'll see the photos on our website. You're going to love it. <laughs> it's, um, it looks like a science experiment. Don't so, judge us.
0: It was a one-time thing. We
1: follow the directions. We and follow it the it didn't directions. work out. You know,
0: sometimes things don't work out.
1: That's right. So, um, okay. So let's talk about... The Nightingale. The Nightingale. So this is, uh, the late... The latest film by Jennifer Kent,
0: mm-hmm. director of *The Babadook*, mm-hmm. as we said before,
1: and um, this was my first of her films because I had not seen *The Babadook* yet. So, yeah, this was this this movie. Actually, before they started the screening, it came with a disclaimer. I mean, you were sort of warned in the program that this was going to be a tough one, uh, but man, was it a tough film mm-hmm. to watch.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a movie about uh, a woman whose family is murdered, and she goes on the quest for revenge, basically using um, the services of a Aboriginal guide in mid eighteen hundreds Tasmania. It's it's rough. It's uh you don't the movie doesn't shy away from anything. It shows pretty much all of the graphic moments that occur, and it it just layers them on. So it's kind of uh I mean as much as the characters in the story are fighting for survival, you kind of feel like you're there with them. And it's it's and that's what the good and the bad guys like that's it's a
1: great way to put it I mean we noticed uh, you know there were a lot of people that walked out of this film and I considered being one of them except that I do have a thing that if I start a film even if I just think it's a disaster and I hate it um, I will I will finish the film at least just to make sure that there's nothing redeemable or nothing that's gonna like change my mind because that has happened. Several times, you know, where you think you're like, I don't like this film, and then it'll take an interesting twist, and you're like, Oh wait, no, that was surprising. So, I um I will say that this film, I mean, it's it is a beautifully filmed um movie. I mean, it is it's it's beautiful, um, but it is also very ugly. Um, it is hard. Uh, Nick and I were talking about this, just kind of the male-female perspective on this, and it was particularly hard being a not only a woman, but a woman that ha- was born and raised in the South, and just because it it touches on basically all of those issues, um, you you see that there's a lot of parallels uh, to the um, Aboriginal people that you know happened with. African-American people in the South. And um, and then just, you know, um, the total, like, disregard for women's rights and um, just, yeah, it was very, that was very hard for me to watch particularly because, as Nick mentioned, it was just so graphic and so real. So I think that was the tough part to digest.
0: But it really was... um... It was well acted. It was well shot. Uh, it it does it does provide this way of thinking about modern issues uh, through what you would think is like a period piece or a revenge thriller, but it's a lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um <clears throat> just because the main two characters are a woman and an Aboriginal person, and it's the good the the one of the positives of the film is that it their characters grow together during the movie and kind of find an understanding between their plights like her her as a woman in this in a time that has no respect for women and in a time where where these aboriginal people are being displaced from their land and almost treated not as people and so it's and it's interesting watching it in the south because you're you're always involved in that history like if, even if you weren't a part of it directly it's it's always on your mind and it's in front of you and
1: Yeah, you're trying to move as far away from it as you can, possibly. And, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the redeeming part of the film to me, was to see the bond that was ultimately formed by these two people who had been just stripped and, you know, I mean, had everything that meant anything taken from them, whether it was, you know, their families, their land. So, yeah, I mean, that was compelling, I think, you know, and this was the thing that I came out of is, again... Uh, I thought it was an interesting take, like what you were saying with the revenge thing, too. Because it, sh- it sort of gave you this, like, feminine version of of the revenge. It's not what you, you know, kind of... Went reading the, the plot synopsis and kind of just what your expectations going in were, it is a... I don't know much more moderated and and sort of thoughtful, yeah, version thoughtful. of the revenge because and... it's not
0: just it's not just violence. Like it doesn't. Right. There is a lot of violence in the film, but it's not. It's it's generally um, this, this, except for the, uh, the villainous violence. Like it's it's very considered. Um, it's not there are graphic moments, but it's not in your face. It doesn't revel in it. Um,
1: I would say that the revenge in in this particular film ends up being accountability which feels very current. Mm. It feels currently what people are asking for is accountability for thoughtless actions. Um, so that was the part I took away from it that I appreciated. Mm. Um, and yeah, but it was, it was tough. Uh, I would say that I would recommend seeing it to form your own opinions about it and to get insight into, um, that history and that time, for sure, and and then being able to relate it to modern time as well. Um, and that was that was the other thing that made me a little bit sad was that, as Nick mentioned, this being more of a period piece, but us kind of walking away from it, feeling like not much has changed. It's not a lot. Yeah, these are still these are not period issues. Like we are still dealing with these issues, and that's tough. I mean, and. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, check that one out.
0: The next movie we're going to talk about is an entirely different affair. It's Peter Strickland's In Fabric. Um, as we said before, he's done a few different movies that have kind of a take on... It's a weird arthouse take on genre films of, like, the 60s and 70s. And this one has a really strange like, out-of-time feel. Like, it feels kind of like it's in the 50s or the 70s or something, but it doesn't, but it's modern, too. Or like the
1: it's 90s or it's, now. It's somewhere, yeah. but it's... Yeah, this, this film, we were particularly excited about before even knowing that it was going to screen at Sidewalk. So mm-hmm. I was so thrilled to actually get to have um, the theater experience mm-hmm. with this film because none of his other films had I been able to see, you know, in the theater. So... Uh, this was really fun. And I've got to say, it was such a welcomed palate cleanser uh, g- coming out of The Nightingale. We saw this film about an hour later. We had mm. a little room for um, alcohol and <laughs> um, some numbing food and Air. comfort. Yeah. But um, so we finished out the night with In Fabric and it was really fun. Mm. It was such a fun film, such a weird film.
0: Yeah, um so it's about a, it's about a woman uh, a divorced woman who's going on a date um and she goes to a, this a really extra department store really uh, extra that's to get that's true to get a dress and the uh the strange witchy Dracula attendant woman um suggests this red dress that may or may not have a little bit of a history um and so she buys it and uh some really weird shit happens
1: Yeah, and you know, so this film, it felt sort of like a retelling of, uh, just to kind of give you a little hint, it felt like a retelling of The Red Shoes, so it's just Mm -hmm. a red dress instead. Um, And it is, I mean, visually, so The Nightingale was, was a beautifully shot film. This film was also so visually striking and... But in in all the things that you love, like De Palma or Argento Kubrick. or Kubrick, I mean, it had all of that. So again, just kind of a lot of eye candy mm-hmm. um, as far as the look of it, and just I don't know, even the texture of the film, and it was hilarious.
0: Yeah, and um, and it has a a a, a cast of um of known faces from British dark comedy shows mm-hmm. like Legal Gentleman and um, some of Ben Wheatley's films. Um, one of the guys from uh, Mighty Boosh plays one of the bank managers in That's there. That's right. Uh, it's, um, I think it was Julian Barrett. Yes. But yeah, uh, but it's 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 a really odd world because it has just these these characters that all coexist side by side and kind of like some of them are more realistic and then there's just some like extra ones. Uh, like the the Count Orloff, uh, the manager of the department store.
1: Yeah, it was... Um... Oh, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I feel like it's like I don't even want to break it down too much. I just yeah. want to be like, go see this film, enjoy this film. You, But you do want to know. Like, that's yeah. the thing. And, and most of the time in films of these nature, like, you know, they're not going to really solve the mystery for you of this one what in the <laughs> hell is going on. Um, you know, you're like, is it a coven of witches? Like what, like what's happening here? Um, there are these weird glimpses into like the underbelly of the department store. And, um,
0: yeah. And a lot of the aesthetic revolves around like this, this, and with his other movies too, this fetishization of something where it's like the department store is so it's, you know, it, like you've been to it, you've seen commercials of it. They have commercials in the film, which are great. It's like they're shot on, on video, and they have this old school look to them, and um, and it's also helped by a cavern of animators score, which has just got a. It's this weird synth score that kind of makes it. It's just so. It's a. It's a strange dream, and it's.
1: That's a perfect. It's way really it. detailed too. It's a strange dream, and uh, I thought it was a fantastic way to close out that night. Uh, I was again thrilled to get to see that film, and uh, yeah, highly recommend it. For sure.
0: Again, in that format, which I highly recommend, because it's definitely it's a great midnight movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So go check it out. Uh, well, I guess that about wraps our sidewalk edition of In and Out of Frame. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Um, we'll try real hard next time not to blow up our microwave meal.
1: Yeah, we'll do better next time. We'll do better next time. We'll do better next time. So thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Andrea. I'm Nick. And you've been listening to In, in and out, out of Frame. frame.
0: Let me give you some advice.